It's time for the Moving the Chains podcast. Your home for high school football coverage in the Palmetto State. Every team, every game, every week. And now your host, Kevin Thomas and Jarrell Hendricks. Welcome in to Moving the Chains. I'm Kevin Thomas alongside Jarrell Hendricks. We are here for our state championships recap show, Jarrell. Last recap show of the year, we were down in Columbia. All three of us there on Thursday. Then I was there Friday and Saturday as well. Five really high-level ball games. Not the closest of games, but just an, obviously another great weekend down at Columbia over the season. Most definitely had some good ball games for sure. Had a couple, you know, surprising outcomes to say the least. Uh, but just was a, a great weekend. Like you said, we were all there on Thursday. And then you just carried the Moving the Chains banner Friday and Saturday for us, uh, doing all the heavy lifting. Uh, but you got to see some some really good football. Um, I still got to rewatch a couple games, but uh, looking forward to doing that. But let's get into it and uh, recap this uh, state championship weekend. No doubt. If this is you guys first time tuning in, we really appreciate that. Check us out here, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening right now. Subscribe, rate, five-star. Uh, check us out at our new website, movingchains.com. It's got our message board on there, all of our links to our socials, et cetera. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all at Moving Chains, M-O-V-I-N-C-H-A-I-N-S. Throughout the year, we do a live preview show Tuesday nights on Facebook. We do a recap show. comes out Sundays on the audio-only podcast places there. We do interviews and whatnot. we got some great stuff planned for the next few weeks before we get into some new coaching stuff as well. So definitely don't don't put us on Do Not Disturb or Mute. Yeah, we got a few more things coming for you guys this year. But let's give a quick shout-out again to our sponsors for the last time before we uh, break down the games from this weekend. Carolina Orthopedic and Neurosurgical Associates is our Game of the Week sponsor. Kona offers the most advanced training and experience in orthopedic surgery, neurosurgery, sports medicine, and pain management in the upstate. Kona offers a synergistic approach for the spine, skeletal system, nervous system, and supporting structures, meaning total quality care for your optimal health. Three convenient locations in Spartanburg, Duncan, and Greenville. Go to Kona.care to learn more about Kona services. That's C-O-N-A dot care. Get your head in the game with Founders Federal Credit Union. See how Founders membership could elevate your financial game. Train your financial skills with our wide array of financial tools and services. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com today to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders Federal Credit Union. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, we had the 3A matchup. 13-1 Powdersville out of the upper state, taking on 12-1 Buford out of the lower state, Jarrell. A game that... You know, we saw this Buford team play last year in 4A on Thursday night. We're not impressive, uh, but boy, oh boy, they're really impressive here on Thursday night, weren't they? Most definitely, yeah. They got off to a slow start, but they they heated it up quick. It was a chilly evening down there at, at Benedict. Uh, but the the game action from, you know, start to finish was was really great. And uh, Buford, you know, was able to re- – they were able to redeem themselves in this 3A matchup. Powdersville got the ball to start the game – capitalized a touchdown drive or a touchdown on the opening drive with a six-yard TD run by Eli Hudgens, 7-0, 9 left in the first quarter. On the ensuing drive, Casey Fields hit and fumbled on third down. Powders will ball at, the, at their 45. A couple plays later, 25-yard touchdown by Thomas Williams. You know, and at that point, Drew, we were kind of worried it might be might be getting out of hand. You know, they had a, the Eagles had them stopped a fourth and three, jumped off sides to continue that possession. Powders will went up 14-0. Five minutes ago in the first quarter, 
and we look around and we're like, uh, guys, this might be another blowout. Uh, Eagles might be might be uh, taking one again this year, huh? Yeah, I was definitely having a flashback from last year when Buford played South Point. Uh, but it was crazy how Powdersville did this. They were on the ground exclusively, you know, really heavy early on, running a lot of zone read stuff. And they were able to, you know, get out on the edges and, and really move the football on the ground. So them jumping out to a 14-0 lead, we know they have a potent passing attack. So for them to do that, running the football exclusively was really impressive to start that game. Powdersville held a 14-0 lead in the first quarter, but back comes Buford, a five-yard touchdown by Colton Ferris on their next drive. Actually convert, converted a fake punt on fourth and short around midfield, a direct snap to Ferris. Kind of caught Powdersville off guard a little bit. Uh, they were, you know, not really lined up and kind of were standing up there at the line. And that's something that Coach Liburn mentioned in our post game interview about that. They saw something on film, and they were able to capitalize on that. They cut the lead 14-7, 7.44 left in the second quarter. After a Powdersville punt, Colton Ferris again drew 31 yards to tie it up, 14 all, 420 left in the second quarter. And then Pattersville and Thomas Williams did Thomas Williams things there. They have a couple penalties, a couple holds and whatnot. They have first and 30. Thomas breaks a 69-yard touchdown run to take up 21 to 14, 329 left in the second quarter. But Buford answered right back. This is a key play for me, Jarrell. I felt like, you know, Buford had really used a lot of energy to come back in this game to tie it up to give up that long kind of could have been a back-breaking run right there. But yep. Casey Fields steps up a 93-yard touchdown on a kickoff return there, ties it up 21-all, 3-12 left. Powdersville does get some points there before the half. 36-yard field goal by Nate Spearman, 22 seconds left, they go up 24-21. They actually hold that lead at halftime, Patriots 24, Eagles 21, Jarrell, a game that could have got out of hand, honestly, with, with Powdersville playing some good football early. Buford clawed back, and we're right there at halftime. Yeah, you got to look at those special teams plays. First off, the fake punt. I mean, Powdersville has a chance. I mean, they're completely dominating this football game. They forced a turnover. They're going to get the ball back with pretty decent field position. This fake punt's around midfield. Um, so you, you have an opportunity. You're up two scores. And, you know, they were like – Buford was not able to stop them whatsoever. So you're thinking, man, they get the ball, they at least go up three scores early on in this football game, and they literally were not lined up. You know, like you have to be aware in that situation. And then, you know, Thomas Williams gets the big run, and Casey Fields answers right back with the kickoff return. Those two special teams plays, I feel like even though, you know, Buford was down by three at the half, that gave them all the momentum going into the second half because they really got it going, you know, on the ground. And you'll see more of that in the second half. To open the second half, 12-yard touchdown by Casey Fields. They take their first lead of the game there. Extra point is blocked by Drake Sloan. Thought it could be a key play there. Buford takes a 27-24 lead, 7-34 left in the third quarter. Powdersville answers right back again. Thomas Williams, third touchdown of the night, one-yard touchdown run. They go up 31-27, five minutes in the third quarter. But that was the last time Powdersville would score, Jarrell. You know, they had not been stopped much up until that point. But from there on, it was all Buford. The next drive, a 75-yard touchdown by Casey Fields. They go back up 34-31, 335 left in the third quarter. That score actually holds until the end of the third quarter. Buford 34, Powdersville 31 going to the fourth. Early on in the fourth quarter, Patriots are driving. They've got it fourth and two at the Buford 42. They go for it, and they are stopped. Ten and, uh, about 10.45 left there. 
And then Casey Field show again, another one-yard touchdown. They go up two scores, 41-31, Buford, 5-36 up in the fourth quarter. Powersville comes back. They have one last chance here. And just an, a, a really crazy play. I don't know if you guys seen the highlight of this or not, but basically Eli Hudgens gets hit. He fumbles. He picks it up, scrambles around, and finds Thomas Williams deep. Then Williams gets hit, and he fumbles. Buford takes over at the plus 45, five minutes to go. And that was basically all she wrote, Jarrell. Uh, yeah, Buford ran, ran out the clock pretty much there. Final, Buford 41, Powdersville 31. The Eagles are your 2022 3A state champs. Just a, a crazy second half, really. I mean, they held Powdersville to one score after the Patriots really being able to kind of dominate that first half. And it, it, it wasn't like I, I didn't feel like Buford made any really big changes on defense. It was just almost like they were really eating the clock. They got that lead. Maybe Patterson started pressing a little bit, something like that. I don't know what it was. But uh, hats off to Coach Lybron and those guys for, for just fighting back from that early two-score deficit and be able to come out and, and win a state championship. Yeah, you got to think, you know, their experience, the experience of that program being in this situation before. I mean, we talked about it on the sidelines program. You could just see Powersville was really juiced. They're really amped up. You know, we were kind of worried, like maybe they were too excited to get into it. We got into the game. Obviously, they were effective. Um, but Buford, you know, it was just really casual. Like they were there to handle business, get the job done. And that calm demeanor translated on the field. They got behind big early and they never wavered. They just continued to play football. They continued to play their game. They did not throw a pass in yeah. this game. They did not attempt a pass in this game. Um, I mean, it was really just Ferris and, and Fields, their show. You know, they just pounded the football. The worst thing about it for the Powersville side is, like, you knew it was coming. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, they're pulling linemen. They're telling you which way they're going. And there was nothing that Powersville could do to stop it. And uh, just a really impressive performance by Buford. Great season from Powersville. Uh, as we know, they, they had a, a really difficult path to get to this game and winning that upper state championship. Uh, but Buford, they just really took care of business on Thursday night. And I was super impressed with the team. You know, it was a total team effort. They got it done, you know, defensively, offensively, and with those big special teams plays. A key for Powdersville, Peyton Little went out early with an injury. Um, you know, he's kind of one of their key run stoppers that really hurt them there. But I love what that Buford team did. I mean, I, you got to feel like at some point, like you're feeling some pressure. Like maybe we're still in a path. Maybe we should, you know, sw- sneak one in there. But no, Coach Lyburn, the guy, just stuck to what was working, you know, running it left, running it right, running it the middle. I, I loved how they have both Ferris and Fields in the backfield there, kind of that two-headed monster. That was really cool to watch, the kind of different runs they did, different blocking teams they did off of those plays. Like, obviously, everybody, you know, if people were saying, oh, they're just running the same play over and over. No, they weren't. They were doing different things with it, running, you know, different blocking things, what like that. So, it was really cool to, to see them do that. Um, like you mentioned earlier, special things was the key. You know, the fake punt. Kickoff turn touchdown, huge, huge, huge place for them there in that first half to keep them in it. And, you know, I'm just so, so excited for the Eagles getting that kind of redemption after, you know, really being non competitive last year in 4A sure. to win this title over a really good Powdersville team. What was really impressive Thursday night. Yeah, for sure. I, I was super impressed by the team. You know, we were talking to, you know, some fans in the, in the crowd there. They're like, you know, we need to throw it to the tight end or we need to do this and do that. I was like, why? I was like, just, pound the, you know, just pound the football. It's it's working. You're, you're, you're controlling the game. And that's what they did. You know, once they got that game back level at 14 apiece in, in the first half, 
You know, you just sense like all the momentum was on the Buford side. You know, they had taken those first couple of punches punches from the Patriots, and uh, they were like, you know, we're going to win this football game. They were the more physical team. Um, they dominated, especially in the second half. They were able to wear them down, and they're a team that was experienced and just took care of their business. So, congratulations to the Buford Eagles, the three A state champs. No doubt, we certainly saw some great performances from both sides. You know, Thomas Williams' big game for Powdersville. Fields and Ferris, big games before we get into those stats in a little bit. But uh, once again, the final, Buford 41, Powdersville 31. The Eagles claimed the 3A state title. And Jarrell and I actually caught up with running back Casey Fields and head coach Bryce Lybron after the ball game. You can check out those interviews over on our Facebook page or our Twitter page, probably on our YouTube here as well. So if we go tune in for those and, and hear what those guys have to say after the big win. But, Jarrell, let's take a look now at the 2 o'clock Friday matchup, the 2A game. Oceanside Collegiate out of the lower state coming in at 12 and one, taking on upper state or upper state champ Abbeville at 12 and two. You know, a, two really contrasting teams there. I think you mentioned it the other day, you know, kind of the, the charter scores, the homegrown guys, but I yeah. uh, thought we we're in for a big ball game for sure. And, and we definitely were. Uh, Oceanside gets the ball first. They're driving down. They get to the Abbeville 39, go forward on fourth and nine. Uh, Rodenbach tries to hit a post pattern, and, and Antonio Harrison makes a great play to knock it down, 8.52 left in the first quarter. Both teams trade punts a few times the next few drives. Abbeville finally gets a scoring going for the day. First play of the drive, a 61-yard touchdown by Carson Norman. They go up 7-0, 3.51 left in the first quarter. On the ensuing drive, Oceanside Collegiate, they're driving again. They get to fourth and four from the plus 34. Rodenbach's pass falls incomplete. It looked like he had blue open, couldn't quite hit him about a minute to go in the first quarter. And at the end of the first quarter, Abbeville held a 7-0 to zero lead. Uh, they actually extended that pretty quickly in the second quarter. 22-yard TD run by Ty Cade on fourth and one. They go up 14-0, 10 in the second quarter. Next drive for Oceanside, a recurring theme here. Fourth and 11 from the plus 23. Rodenbach's pass falls incomplete as the wide receiver slips. They turn it back over to Abbeville. 328 left in the second quarter. And this is really kind of the backbreaker here, Drill. A 31-yard touchdown pass from Zay River to Javario Tinch back at the end zone. Tinch made a great catch, getting a foot down there, right foot round of the back. Abbeville goes up 21 to nothing, 44 seconds in the second quarter. The Land Sharks had a chance here to do something. They actually, uh, with 44 seconds, were able to drive down to the Abbeville 18 with five seconds left, using some timeouts and things like that. And Reidenbach actually hit blue on a completion got tackled at probably just, you know, the one or so yard line, just short of the goal line, and the clock expires. Abbeville holds a 21-0 to lead of Oceanside at halftime, and that was a big surprise. I know you were texting me. I was talking to John as well. You know, I think we all actually had picked Oceanside to win this ball game. Sure. But, man, Abbeville came out, played great football. You know, it, it was a slow start for both sides, a lot of defense, like, you know, a lot of three and outs, a lot of one first down, then punt, whatever it was. But, Abbeville was able to, to hit some big plays to really, you know, just get a, a big lead, and they never let Oceanside come back. Yeah, I definitely – I picked Oceanside. I mean, again, they've been our consensus number one team in 2A in our poll throughout the entire season, you know, even though they had that one loss. But, uh, you know, it's a situation where it was it was no slight to Abbeville. I mean, we went there this season to go see them play, and they were playing, you know, with guys down and were still very competitive against Powdersville, who played in the game the, the prior night. Um, so yeah, this is an Abbeville team, you know, that just continues like to roll out guys. I mean, I was reading the tweets 
I mean, uh, the first touchdown by Carson Norman. I don't even think I've heard that name, this year, <laughs> you know, because they have so many guys on that yeah. team, you know, and then they were able to build some stuff. I know they, they were passing a little bit in that, that game against Powersville. So you have to think that came to play here. You know, Javario Tench, I mean, he's a great, you know, he reminded me of Plaxico Burris when we saw him play early in the season. Uh, so I can only imagine the, the play that he made. Uh, but the fact that Oceanside, you know, goes down early, they've done this before. But this is a situation where against Abbeville, this is a team that's extremely talented and, and a lot better than the, the competition they faced in the lower state. You know, that was very alarming. And, uh, you know, I, I know they're going to make some strides here in the second half. But, you you know, the Abbeville sideline had to feel really good about themselves going into the half. Abbeville also set to get the ball to start their quarter as well. So you thought they are really in a, a good spot there. But they actually fumble opening kickoff. Oceanside gets it back at the plus 33 few plays later, a 24-yard touchdown pass from Reidenbach to Bryce Bennett, and they capitalized quickly on the turnover. A great adjustment by Bennett and a diving catch in the end zone. You know, the corner kind of had the, the outside shaded there. Reidenbach threw it a little more inside. Uh, receiver made a great play to kind of spin his body and make a diving catch there. Cut the lead 21-7, to just over a minute going to the third quarter. The next drive, Abbeville goes for it, fourth and one at the plus 16. Oceanside stops them, 520 to 523 out in the third quarter, they get the ball back and they have a lot of momentum right here, Jarrell. I'm thinking, all right, here comes, you know, big Von Blue play, maybe a big Rodenbach play, whatever it was. But no, sir, Abbeville was having none of it. Oceanside goes three and out, including a key sack on third down. It was Jay Harris there who got him. Just a great stand by the Panthers. And they're able to come back. A 10-yard touchdown by Zay Rayford. One play after a fourth and five conversion on a pass to Harrison. They go up 28 to seven against uh, with 114 up the third quarter. And that was really the chance that Oceanside had, you know, down, down 14, getting the ball back after a stop there. Had plenty of time at that point, drill. Three and out, just that, that was the key there. And I think that really was the ball game there late in the third quarter. Yeah, that's got to be a backbreaker. You finally, you know, get some momentum after early on in the game. A lot of those fourth down stops, you're not able to convert. And meanwhile, Abbeville's just continually making plays. You think that's where it's shifting, and then that's where you're going to be able to seize your opportunity. And again, you got to think you're midway through the third quarter. This Abbeville team likes to run the football. Yeah. They're going to run the clock, you know, so you got to make something happen quickly. You got to think maybe they were pressing a little bit, uh, but Abbeville just took care of the business. Right before the end of the quarter, we got maybe the highlight play of the weekend, a one-handed pick for Kendall Barr for Abbeville, just a great play to bring that ball in. And at the end of the third quarter, Abbeville was all over Oceanside, 28-7. to Landsharks do get on the board there in the third – or, sorry, in the fourth. Six-yard touchdown pass from Reinbach Devon Blue on fourth and five. Extra point block. Lead now 28-13. Abbeville 450-456 left. But Abbeville comes right back. They recover the onside kick, and then Antonio Tubu Harrison, nine-yard touchdown with 35 to 13. Abbeville goes up, 201 left. Reidenbach hits Jace Kraftchick on a 66-yard touchdown pass, 35 to 20. Abbeville, 121 left, and that is your final score. Abbeville, 35, Oceanside Collegiate, 20. Panthers are the 2A state champs. Just a really well-played ball game from Abbeville. Both sides, you know, holding a very high-powered Oceanside team to 20 points, you know, and, and really 14 of that being – or I guess 13 of that being in the fourth quarter when the game was really out of hand already. Uh, great job by then. Then on offense, like sticking to the game plan, you know, hitting a couple big ones here and there, uh, you know, doing a, just, just a great job on that side of the ball. You could tell, honestly, Drell, that 
both seem both teams seem to be kind of tired. You know, a lot, a lot of guys playing both ways. You know, Monroe Freeling playing D line and O line had his hands over his head for a while. The second half, that he was tired. You can tell Abbeville was tired. I mean, a really hard fought game on both sides. But the Panthers just had a little too much juice there and were able to to get that win and, and claim the two A state crown. Yeah, that's what you got to love about 2A ball. You know, a lot of these guys are going both ways, the best players for sure, you know, and they just lay it all on the line. I, I, we've watched probably more 2A ball games this year than any other classification and just love to see those guys compete. And there were some really good football, you know, with these teams. Love the story for, for Abbeville, much like Buford, kind of a redemption. They lost in the third round of the playoffs last year uh, to that great, great collegiate team. That was a very hard fall game. That was probably the state championship game, if we're being honest, last year. It just happened to be in the third round. Um, so for them to, to, to come back this year, you know, kind of just under the radar, you know, not playing in the toughest of region, taking care of business in the playoffs, and then knocking off this seemingly invincible Oceanside Collegiate team, you know, in convincing fashion. That's quite the story. Got to love it for Antonio Harrison as well. You know, he's out the majority of the season, you know, recovering from an injury. And for him to score, you know, that ceiling touchdown, that's, a, that's, a, that's the stuff you like to see in high school football. Again, congratulations to Coach Wilkes and Oceanside. That's a heck of a first year for him and, and those guys. I know they're going to unfortunately lose a lot of talented players, but, you know, something tells me that they're they're going to be able to replace those guys and have another good season next year. Uh, but all the kudos in the world to Coach Nichols and that Abbeville, you know, side. That community is awesome. We'll definitely probably have to go down there again next year to catch a game. Uh, but they they earned it for sure. Yeah, it seemed like Oceanside had some guys open in the first half, uh, just couldn't quite make the conclusions they needed there. I will say, I felt like they had a hard time blocking Abbeville at the middle. They could run a little bit off yeah. tackle, but up the middle they kind of were getting stuffed a good bit. But, you know, I had I had a note, too, that you said it was fitting for Harrison to kind of cap with a touchdown there after missing a lot of time. You know, him and Rayford, who were both out for a lot of the year having big games, was, was really cool to see there. Um, do want to give a kudos to, to Greg Rayford. I believe it's Zay's dad who commented on our show probably back for the playoffs, sort of saying that Abbeville's going to win state title. He's like, don't forget I said this. And he was all over it. So hats off to him. Um, like you mentioned, Coach Wilkes, great first season. Had a great there, great year there. You know, we've always enjoyed watching Vaughn Blue. He's one of our favorites to watch. So, uh, you know, definitely um, best of luck to him in the future. But a, a great ball game from Abbeville. I do want to also say shout out to Coach Nichols for winning his eighth state title. I think that puts him third all time in the state uh, behind uh, Willie Varner and John McKissick there. So, Great to, to see that. And uh, we got an interview with him, too, you know, uh, from after the game. It's over on our Facebook and Twitter, et cetera, as well. Definitely check that out. But the final from 2A drill, the Abbeville Panthers 35, Oceanside Collegiate Landsharks 20, and Abbeville is the 2A state champ. The nightcap on Friday, 7 o'clock, we had the 1A matchup. Out of the lower state, the Johnsonville flashes at 13-0, taking on Christchurch out of the upper state, 13-1. Christchurch won the toss and deferred. After a couple punts, Johnsonville's Daquan Burroughs breaks an 80-yard touchdown down the left sideline, but called back due to holding a wide receiver. Questionable call. I need to see a replay of it, Jarrell. It looked clean to me in real time, but uh, Burroughs was kind of past the guy by the time I saw it. So, interesting how that turned out. But in the third quarter, we had a defensive struggle going. 0-0 Christchurch and Johnsonville after one. Johnsonville gets up on the scoreboard early in the second quarter. 49-yard touchdown by Daquan Burroughs right off the gut. They go up 7-0, 11-11 left in the second quarter. On the ensuing drive, the Christchurch comes right back. 73-yard touchdown pass from Woods went to Jackson to rep on a post. They tied at 7-all, 10-19 left in the second quarter. Christchurch scores again. Eight-yard touchdown by Deshaun Reeder. 
started the drive at a 35 after a B.J. Atkins punt return. They go up 14-7, to 8.02 left in the second quarter. And then Christchurch capitalizes the, the first half scoring – or, sorry, I concludes first half scoring. A 41-yard touchdown pass Woods winner to Luke Baumhofer. They go up 21-7, to 7, Christchurch. 6-11, second left in the second quarter. And that was actually the halftime score. Christchurch 21, Johnsonville 7. And it was a game that Johnsonville – they had, the, obviously, the nice touchdown drive. They had the drive earlier where, where Burrow scored, but it got called back. But they kept kind of getting in bad field position. You know, there's a couple different times where, where Christchurch started at the 50, if not across the 50. Um, so that just put the flashes in a tough spot. But they played some good football. They were hanging tough there, um, down 14. They had some flashes that they might could do some stuff there. But Christchurch just has a lot of firepower with the, with the run game, with Reader, and obviously Wyndham uh, throwing the ball as well. Yeah, that's just a complete team there at Christchurch. And, you know, Johnsonville, you have to wonder, like, you know, how much, you know, did they see? And this is another debate that we have here in high school football going off on a little tangent. You know, you got the private school here in 1A against Johnsonville, you know. So, you know, that's always fun to watch on social media, the banter between those two types of programs. Uh, but Christchurch is continually played well this season and it looks like it carried over looks like there was a little bit of a feeling out process in that first quarter and then once the first punch was really landed you know they went back and forth you know and then uh you know Christchurch was able to stretch it out for that halftime lead um Christchurch just so good defensively that's kind of where I'm sure you know you're sitting there and I, I was keeping up with the game it's like man, it's a situation where, you know, can Johnsonville come back? But they've continually done that throughout the season. So I, I was waiting at halftime to see what the flashes would do. And they had a couple chances, you know, uh, early on here in the third quarter, they get the ball in, you know, inside the 10. They have fourth and goal. You know, they had, I guess it was third and goal from probably the two or three. And I thought Burroughs might have gotten in. They marked down at the one. Fourth and goal from the one. And he gets stuffed in the backfield. Uh, tackle back at the four. Just a great job by Christchurch's defense to, to stand up tall there. And that's, you know, multiple goal line scenes. They had a big one against uh, St. Joe's last week, I guess, in the, in the upper state final as well. So they knew what was coming. That was a huge play, you know, up, up 14. If Johnsonville scores there, makes it a one-score game, that's, that could be completely, completely the ball game. But the Cavs stop and make the ball at 5.30 to the third quarter, and they score on that drive, a 96-yard drive, uh, ended with a 63-yard touchdown by Deshaun Reeder. Two-point conversion is good. They go up 29 to 7, 421 left in the third quarter. And that's actually the score at the end of the third quarter. Christchurch 29, Johnsonville 7. So I got to ask you, Kev. So yeah. what, was the, what was the feeling like at that point in the game? Because, like, that's a huge swing in momentum yeah. right there. You get stopped at the one, and then, you know, they proceed, you know, Christchurch, as in they, proceed to go on a 96 yard touchdown drive. Could you see it, like, on the sidelines and in the stands that it was kind of over at that point? Yeah, that was a big one. I mean, because, like, you know, you got your your best player with the ball, fourth and one. You don't think you're going to get stopped there. You think no. Burrs is going to find a way to get in. And just, just very deflating. And then, obviously, with the reader run after that, breaking the long one, that that kind of took a lot out of those guys. You know, they, they do they do mount one more decent little comeback in the fourth quarter we'll get to. But that certainly put a, put a big hurt on their comeback chances and definitely had to affect the morale some, um, you would think. But early on in the fourth quarter, Christchurch gets the ball again around midfield after a punt. Really control field position all night there. But the first play was fumbled. Johnsonville recovers 11 43 left in the fourth quarter. They capitalize a three-yard touchdown by Burroughs. Extra point block. They make it 29 to 13, 11 14, fourth quarter. All of a sudden they're down, you know, two scores. They still got a chance there. Um, and I got to throw this in there. It's not really game related. But after this, we did see a, uh, 
a small fight in the stand on the Johnsonville okay. side. So that was uh, that was that was interesting to see there. Yeah, you look over, see, I see some folks running up the stairs and across across the bleachers, and see folks just jumping in and throwing haymakers. So I had to get. But you were safe though. You were safe. Yeah, yeah. I was I was on the other side of the stands there, but yeah, that was interesting to see there on the on the flashes side. But uh, Central Johnsonville cuts it to sixteen there. They actually force a punt. So they get the ball back. Down two scores, you're thinking, all right, you know, with the big playability of Burroughs, maybe they break one here and they get, you know, get down to eight real quick. But no, Malik Shippey actually throws an interception on the first play of the drive, and that really ended it there. A 47-yard yeah. run by Deshaun Reader on the first play of that ensuing drive. They got 36-13, 9 left. They add a couple more scores though, with the with the Reader run there and then a 12-yard touchdown pass to win them to Atkins on a screen. 43 to 13, 540 left. Burroughs does break one more, a 30-yard touchdown down the right sideline, cut the score to 43-23, 15 left there. But the final score, the Christchurch Cavaliers 43, the Johnsonville Flashes 20, Cavaliers the 1A state champs there. Uh, just a great game by Christchurch. I mean, they were the best 1A team all year long. I guess it kind of felt like, you know, we had some some questions early on about, you know, was it maybe a Southside Christian? Was it maybe St. Joe's? Was it maybe Louisville? No, Christchurch handled all those guys. I mean, they proved they were the best one uh, in the state for sure. Most definitely, yeah. I think from finish, they won blemish on their record. Um, I'll say, you know, against that team from Georgia. But, you know, start to finish, Christchurch was really good. They played in the toughest region mm -hmm. um, in 1A football in that Greenville area. And uh, they just took care of business. I mean, and they're they're a very complete football team. They're, they're just as good defensively as they are on offense. And I think they're going to be really good again next year. Johnsonville had a, a hell of a season. <laughs> that was They were really fun to cover this year. You know, because it, you never knew what you were going to get, but you knew they were going to play close ball games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's typically one or two score games. And, you know, if they needed to score 60, they scored 60. If they needed to score seven and the defense pitch a shutout, they'd do that as well. Uh, so a great season for them. You know, Shippy and Burroughs, I know, I know you were super high on those guys, and we were too. You know, they're just very good football players. Uh, but Christchurch, extremely deserving. Um, and they're definitely, you know, you know, they definitely – should be proud of that 1A crown that they're they're able to wear this year. You highlighted it earlier, but they found a lot, a lot of success in the, in the deep passing game. You know, those first couple drives, Johnsonville had really stuffed Reader pretty well on their, in the run game. Like, you know, a lot of punts back and forth, uh, and, and Johnsonville actually was kind of controlling field position at that point of the game there. But once they got the touchdown, uh, Christchurch was able to get it back on, on their half kind of, and they hit a couple long passes to rep and some other guys that, that they really was able to let, let them kind of top off the defense a little bit. Because, you, you know, you think that, like I mentioned, I think you and I talked about it uh, off air, that Johnsonville doesn't see a ton of, like, long passing offenses, you know, in, in their region. I mean, they don't see a lot of guys who are doing that. So hitting those deep passes from Wyndham to rep and those guys was, was really crucial for Christchurch early in the game. And then, you know, Reader was, Reader was able to get loose a few times there. Uh, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, of course. But but really, I, I was impressed with both running backs. I thought Burroughs and Reader both looked really, really good. Uh, both broke long ones, both had big days. They were really fun to watch. Um, you know, Coach Cribb and the Flashes had a great year, undefeated until this ball game. there. Uh, love love Shippy and and, and love, uh, you know, Hannah and, and Burroughs and those guys, Coles. They had some really impressive athletes and that's on that side of the ball. But Christchurch a little bit too much. I know I know they lose some pieces with Wyndham and guys like that, but uh, they've got they've got Reader coming back, reps coming back. Um, I hadn't mentioned your guy yet. Carson Shaw had had a couple sacks again. Now he Haw had a big yeah. game again for those guys. He was fun to watch. But pass off to Coach Hatfield and you know Coach Ramey and all those guys over there. Coach Frost, uh, great great squad there. Really talented team and 
and Christchurch captures the 1A state crown 42 to 20 over Johnsonville. We were able to get a quick interview with Deshaun Reeder after the ball game. That's over on our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, et cetera. Definitely go check out that. But, Drew, let's look now at Saturday, the, the noon game, the 5A game, Fort Dorchester out of the lower state at 11-3, and taking on Dutch Fort out of the upper state, 13-1. and You know, a rematch of last year's lower state title game this year, Dutch Fort goes to the upper state, goes through that bracket and, and faces the Patriots here uh, in Bened- or at Benedict in Columbia. Fort D wins the toss in the first. Might have been a bad idea there. Uh, the Silver Fox has come right down. A six-play drive capitalized on a one-yard touchdown by Jarvis Green. Extra point, no good. They go up 6-0 just over a minute and a half going in the fourth quarter or first quarter. Fort Deltroy, so they come, they come come back, and they've got fourth and one up their own 39. Kind of another theme, kind of like Oceanside. They went for it on fourth down a lot drill. Didn't get it a whole lot. Fourth and nine, fourth and one from 139. Davion Brown stopped at the line. Dutch Fort ball, eight minutes left. But they do get a stop of their own. Fourth and three from the Fort D plus or Fort D 32. Appler stopped on a run. Goes back to Fort D, six left in the first quarter. Fort Dorchester, Fort Dorchester puts got a good, a good drive here. Twenty two yard field goal by Christian Wilson. Big play was a bomb from Zoltan Osborne to Multi Snyder down the right sideline. They cut it six three, three fifty one left in the first quarter. Dutch Fort comes back, and they're driving. The Jarvis Green is hit, and he fumbles. Connor Morgan recovers to the Patriots. They're on 11, and Green was down after the play, getting tended to two minutes left. At that point, I was like, well, now, if Jarvis is out, that might flip the whole game because Fort Dorchester had some momentum there, had a nice drive, got the ball back. Um, into the first quarter, score was 6-3. Dutch Fort over Fort Dorchester. But you thought like the Patriots kind of had some momentum there. Most definitely, yeah. You know, they were able to just – you know, keep Dutch Fork from exploding in that first half. You know, that's what happened last week in that game with Dutch Fork against Gaffney. They were just able to get so much going early on and kind of neutralize that crowd. You know, so Fort D, you know, they kind of seized that momentum, you know, able to, you know, keep that game close. That's what you want in those situations. You know, you start getting those guys on the sideline believing because they already had that belief. You know, they played these guys before. They played them tough last year. And, you know, like, you know, we're here, the state final. People are probably doubting us at this point. You know, we got a little bit of momentum. Let's carry that on to the second quarter and keep fighting. Jarvis Green gets looked at on the sideline. He goes under the tent. He jogs around a little bit. Comes back into the next drive. First play goes 80 yards to the one-yard line. Uh, seemed to be okay there, Jarrell. Uh, Liam yeah. Appler scores a one-yard touchdown on the next drive or next play. They go up 13 to three, nine minutes to go in the second quarter. And, you know, Green seemed to be healthy for sure. Like I mentioned earlier, fourth and two again for Fort D. This time at the plus 33, Brown stopped short again. The very next play, Tom Notch dials up a reverse flea flicker. And Liam Appler hits Isaiah Jones for a 69 yard touchdown pass. A great call to go for the kind of the shot play on the quick change. They hit it. Extra point is no good again, but they still hold a 19 to three lead, six and a half left in the second quarter. Just a, a huge play there, Drill, for the Silver Foxes. Great call by Tom Knotts and perfectly executed by that squad. Yeah, there must be something in the water down in that Charleston area. You know, maybe they got some analytics guys or something where, you know, both of those teams, you know, them at Oceanside just going for it on fourth down. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And I like that stuff. You know, you got to be aggressive when you know you're the underdog. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. You, you got to throw those haymakers, and, and sometimes they just don't land. Uh, but going back to that play, I mean, that's just outstanding, you know, to take a shot after, you know, a momentum swing. Uh, you know, you might be a little bit vulnerable there. You know, you think – 
they got the stop, they might do something conservative, but not, not Tom Knotts, you know, let's, let's go ahead and air this thing out and, uh, and, and, you know, try to establish, you know, our dominance and, and, and right the ship here and, and try to seize control before halftime. And Jarvis Green, he concludes the scoring in the first half, a four-yard touchdown to go up 26 to three, 156 left, uh, halftime score, Dutch Fork 26, four-door touchdown three drill. And I was texting you guys, and this one, I was like, you know, it's a 23-point game, and it didn't feel like that's what it should have been. You know, both teams are really moving the ball well. Fort D, I think, had 225-plus yards it was in the first half. Just kept got, kind of getting bogged down like, when they got around the 30, the 40-yard line of, of Dutch Fork. Couldn't quite complete those drives. Um, you know, obviously, Dutch Fork was scoring with Green and, you know, Appler and whatnot, but Fort D felt like they could have been in that game and just they didn't quite uh, able to kind of finish those drives they needed to there. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where it's like one of those uh, situations in football. Those fourth down stops, like, I count those as turnovers. Mm -hmm. So, like, you got to think, you know, it's a turnover on down. You know, it's not your traditional interception or fumble. But that's like a big boost, especially for your defense, you know. That's like that's like taking a possession or stealing possession. And it's also, you know, kind of shifting the momentum a little bit. You know, when, when a team is stopped on fourth down, that's a big blow to that offense and to that confidence, especially when you get like a fourth and short or a third and short, those situations. So like you said, they may have been able to get these things done, you know, between the 20s and stuff like that. But if you don't convert, you know, red zone and, and when you, you really have these opportunities to keep pace, especially with the team as talented at Dutch Fork, that's how it feels like in a game that's being, you know, seems competitive, ends up being a 23-point, you know, deficit at the half. Coming out of the break, though, the Patriots showed some life. A 49-yard 40 yard touchdown by Ryan Campbell right out of the halftime break there. They go down 26-10, to 11-24 left in the third quarter. And then they get a chance, Jarell. You know, this is a kind of a common thing for these games so far. There always seems to be like one key moment where a team – has a chance to get back in it, and they can't quite capitalize. So they actually force Dutch Fork to punt. They bring out Chandler Perry. On the punt, he is roughed, giving Dutch Fork a first down. Uh, Coach LaPrade is just irate, saying the player was blocked into the punter there. They don't believe him on that call. They stick with the call. They get the first down. And then LaPrade actually gets an unsportsmanlike conduct call from, from arguing there, and that really just kind of, you know, killed any momentum the Fort D had there. A 13-yard touchdown pass from Appler to Green on a screen on, you know, to kind of finish that drive there. They got 33 to 10, 613 left Jarrell. And, and that was really all she wrote. You know, they had a chance down 16, just had just scored, getting the ball back, would have had decent, decent field position. And that big penalty there on, on the roughing call. And then obviously the sports back on top of that. Just uh that was really the, the ceiling kind of moment for me, I felt like in that ball game. All right, well, the people got to know, was it roughing or was it a situation? Like, well, what did you see from your vantage point in that? I need that to see it call? again. I will say at first glance, I thought he hit him. I thought he ran into him clean. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen a replay to, to say for sure one way or the other, but I felt like he had he ran into him. Um, but tough call. I mean, obviously, I know you, know, you want to try to block it if you can too, but you got to make sure you don't get around the guy there when it's fourth and three, fourth and four, whatever it is. You can't come close to him. Just, just let him punt it and get the ball back to your offense. But – that was a, a key play there. Um, so after that green touchdown, next couple drives, it got really chippy, Jarrell. Uh, Dutch Fork on offense. Green gets kind of his helmet ripped off, goes down on the ground. They call multiple dead ball fouls both sides. A player gets ejected from both sides of the game. Uh, just a, a really kind of a weird spot. They actually brought out LaPrade and Knotts to midfield and kind of talked to those guys. The refs did. Got yeah. really chippy there, but the refs kind of got under control from that point forward. It felt like uh, – 
Jarvis Green scores a 70 yard touchdown. We're going to go up 40 to 10, a minute left in the third quarter. And that was a score into the third. Dutch Fork 40, Fort Dorchester 10. And Liam Appler caps the scoring for the day. A two yard touchdown run with 645 left, puts up Dutch Fork 47 to 10. And that was your final score. The Dutch Fork Silver Foxes 47, the Fort Dorchester Patriots 10. The Silver Foxes are your 5A state champs. That gives Dutch Fork their sixth title in seven years, Jarrell. Just a great season for those guys. You know, they battled early on. They had a really tough non-region schedule, even some out-of-state schools there. Had some injuries with Green kind of being banged up, you know, Appler being banged up. But those guys kept getting better throughout the year, and they were a well-old machine here uh, down, down the last few weeks. Most definitely, and they're, I've got to just say, I mean, they're the best team, you know, in, in 5A this year. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And then with them shifting to the upper state, you know, they they had a tougher road through the playoffs, and they handled that with relative ease. You know, it's a situation where they didn't play many close games. I know they had the game with Spartanburg early that was kind of fluky, had the game with Huff and Charlotte, obviously lost to nationally ranked St. Francis out of Baltimore. Uh, but th- they were just a very good football team. Uh, but for Dorchester on that side, they had a great season. You know, they they scheduled really tough non-region as well to kind of prepare themselves for this moment. But unfortunately, it just seems like they they just did not have the same amount of of players um, that Dutch Fork did. And I'm really impressed with Dutch Fork, especially with them losing. You know, those key players. I know they had the big three last year with Jarvis Green and Antonio Williams, and 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 I think it's uh, Patterson. Davin Patterson, you know, the quarterback there. So there, for them to reload, I know Appler kind of struggled. You know, you like to see that he struggled early in the season, uh, but was able to figure it out mainly using his legs, mm-hmm. you know, and, that, and that's a that's a key, you know, key tool for that offense. Uh, but Coach Knotts and that, that Dutch Fort program, they're just so good. You know, they just continue to, to buy into that system. He's got it just rolling there. You know, last year was kind of a shocker that they didn't win. You know, we would think like that would be seven in a row it took like a herculean effort for gaffney to pull that off last year uh but obviously for dorchester you know just found a similar fate you know just this year in the state championship game yeah green very impressive as was after we look their stat lines here in a little bit uh, on the fort d side you know i think i mentioned the preview show they lost their center last week and snaps were certainly an issue there weren't any fumbled ones but they were high they were low they were soft yeah. getting back there Osborne was reaching a lot, and I kind of feel the time a lot, it felt like, of some plays there. Um, I was very impressed with Osborne. He had some really nice deep balls to Snyder, put it on just where it had to be, you know. But he really didn't – he didn't throw it a ton, maybe 12, 15 times, because they were running the ball so well. You know, I mentioned at halftime there, they really had it going. I mean, they finished with, I think, three running backs over 80 yards, had one at about 84, 85, one over 90, and none over 100. So they really ran the ball well on Dutch Fork, but like we said, just could not – capitalize there uh, and get in the end zone but another great win for Dutch Fork we've got interviews with Tom Knotts and Jarvis Green up on our pages we'll go check out those but to wrap it up there Jarrell Dutch Fork 47 Fort Dorchester 10 Silver Foxes are the 5A state champs the final game of the weekend Jarrell 4A was the matchup South Florence the Brewers of the lower state coming in at 14 and 0 taking on the Trojans from Northwestern at 13 and 1 out of the upper state uh, just two high-powered offenses. You know, I think on the preview show I was telling John that I think this is going to be the game of the weekend, and it may have been. I mean, it 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 was so fun to watch being there both sides back and forth, trading haymakers, really fun ball game. But South Florence receives a start at there. Lenore Sellers, a 33-yard touchdown pass to Evan Singletary on third and 14 
on the opening drive. A great diving catch from Singletary, too, to give them a 7-0 lead, 8-30 left in the first quarter. But Northwestern comes right back. Story of the game right here. A 78-yarder from Finley Polk to Jalen Burris on third and 13. Hits him on just a go route down the left sideline. Kind of fit it in the turkey hole for so that he could get over there. Great throw there. Extra Are you telling me there was a big pass play on third and long? On back to back, third and 14, South Florida touchdown, third and 13, <laughs> Northwestern touchdown. Theme of the year for us, it feels like, man. These guys yeah. keep getting beat deep when when they, they can't afford to get beat deep, but just crazy to see. But South Florence holds a 7 6 lead, 7 36 in the first quarter on their ensuing drive. A 31 yard touchdown pass from Sellers to Jaden Sellers, his little brother, to complete an 80 yard drive. They go up 14 to 6, 336 after in the first quarter. And that is the score at the end of the first quarter. South Florence 14, Northwestern 6. First play of the second quarter, though, Zylon Arnold for Northwestern, a one yard touchdown run. They make it 14 13, 11 56 to go in the half. But South Florence again comes right back. 39 yards from Sellers to Sellers. Jaden caught an out route, broke a tackle, and took off down the sideline. They go up 21 to 13, eight minutes to go. Northwestern blinks first drill. They had the first punt of the game, 6 32 in the second quarter. And then South Florence capitalizes. 26-yard touchdown by Shaquem Shiloh. One play after a long run from Sellers. I think it was 68 yards. You guys have probably seen the highlight. He broke three or four tackles, it felt like, there on that one. Just a crazy run from Lenoris. South Florence goes up 28-13, 5 left in the second quarter. But the Trojans, they kept coming back. A 25-yard touchdown pass from Polk to Elijah Caldwell. They had to have a touchdown there. They cut it 28-20, 3-41 left in the second quarter. And Northwestern actually forces a punt here. South Florence has to punt it for one time. But Quincy Rhodes gets a pick for the Bruins off a pass off the wide receiver's hands, runs it back to the 17, and a seven-yard touchdown from Sellers to capitalize right before the halftime there. They make it 35-20, to 20, 70 seconds left. And that is the halftime score at South Florence 35, Northwestern 20, Jarrell, in a game that had just seen a lot of offense in the first uh, 24 minutes there. Yeah, just a slight, what, 55 points at the half there. So I'm sure you were extremely bored twiddling your thumbs the yeah. entire time. Uh, watching these prolific offenses here. Uh, but, man, that just sounds like so much fun. I was literally – I was keeping up, like, tweet for tweet. Every time I got a notification, I, I definitely was was watching this particular game because it, you knew these offenses were going to be able to just come out and play. It was just going to be a situation of which defense was going to be able to get a few stops, you know, and it's it's – you know, where South Florence continues to thrive is that they seem to be very opportunistic and they just get those timely stops. And we saw that, you know, Northwestern was going to match them point for point. They force a point punt, they get a big interception, and then they have a two-score lead going into the half because, uh, you know, Northwestern, you know, no slight you know, or no shame to the, their defense, but no one's been able to stop the Bruins on offense this year. So, uh, you know, them, you know, turning the football over in that first half created that separation. And uh just sounds like, you know, even more fun is going to ensue here in the second half. You know, I'll say this, Terrell, I feel like we had a lot of really well-coached teams all weekend. And I say that because it seemed like there was a score right out of the half every game. You know, these coaches went in and made, went in and made great adjustments. So this time, a little bit different type here. But uh the Trojans came out fired up. A kickoff turn from Elijah Caldwell for a touchdown, about 80 yards, I think it was, 82 or something like that. They make it an eight-point game, 35-27 South Florence, 11-40 in the third quarter. And both teams actually force a punt here. You know, they make South Florence punt it back to them. They can't get anything going. They punt it back to uh, to the Bruins there. And the Bruins have a nice drive going. They get down to fourth, and I think it's three or four from about the five. They can get a first down at the one. They run a, a kind of a quarterback run play to the right with Lenore Sellers. He stopped at the one. 
Originally, the uh, first referee signals Northwestern ball. The second one comes in and, you know, just stops the clock and they bring out the chains to measure it. The chain crew comes out, they measure it, and both teams start going crazy. Both teams think they've got the ball coming up here. Uh, Northwestern's jumping around. South Orange jumping around. The referee rules that he's short, gives the ball to Northwestern. The Northwestern team, uh, they run out there. They're pointing to the ball. Look at the ball. Coach Marlowe's out there talking about this is to be a first down. What are you doing? I didn't have the best angle. I couldn't tell. But they rule him short. Northwestern takes over. 508 left in the third quarter. Down by uh, eight. And you feel like, hey, they've got some momentum here. But this is a huge play here, Jarrell. The first play from the one-yard line there. They run a play action. And Polk is getting huge pressure. Instead of taking a sack, throws it away, gets called for granted, a safety on the first play. The Bruins go up 37 or 27, five minutes going to third quarter. And, you know, I, I understand maybe you're trying to play action and make a big shot play there, catch them off guard, kind of that quick chance. It's quick chance, like I mentioned, that Dutch Fort game. But when you're in your own end zone drill, either just run the ball or just go, you know, max protect and try to catch Caldwell one-on-one outside because he's, he's, you know, a, a great receiver. I, I don't like the idea of kind of a slow developing play like that right there. Yeah, that's a tough call, you know, for, for a young quarterback too. You know, he's only a sophomore there, you know, for him to, you know, against uh, in that magnitude and that big of a game and that spot, you know, like you said, to, to make that particular call is, is kind of tough for a young player, you know, to do. And you want to just lean on those older guys, like you said, man, just hand it off to Turbo, see if you can get out or, you know, call a QB sneak and just see what you can do. You know, because, uh, you know, South Florence is not you know, the most physically imposing front. You would think, like, maybe you just run this thing behind Jordan Knox or something like that and just get a few yards, you know, to at least, you know, let's punt, worst-case scenario. Uh, but to, to give up points after such, again, an emotional situation where you get a stop, you finally stop that offense. And not only that, a red zone stop. Uh, and then to surrender points and then have to give the ball up, you know, that's, that's kind of tough there. Got to give major props to Coach Walford's squad, though. You know, they did not give up. They actually stopped South Florence after the safety kickoff there. They get the ball back. They're driving uh, third quarter in South Florence up 37 or 27 over Northwestern. But early on in the fourth quarter, they get down. I think it's a, a, I can't remember if it's a goal to go situation, but fourth or whatever. It was there inside inside uh, the, the 10 there. Actually decided to kick a field goal on fourth down. A 19-yarder is good by Matthew Fish. They make it a seven-point game. 37-30, to go in the fourth quarter. But like they did all night, the Bruins answered again. A seven-yard touchdown pass from Selich to Singletary. Extra point is no good. And uh, guess this, Drew. They had a third and 11 early in the drive. They hit a 50-yarder from Selich to Selich to get a first down there. Surprise, surprise. Uh, so, 43-30, 817 left. They get the ball back. Another touchdown, a six-yard touchdown, a touchdown by Shiloh. They got 50-30, to 3 or 4 left. And then the capper here, the sealer, a 33-yarder from Sellers to Singletary on third and 23. Uh, you know, post-game, uh, I think it was either Coach Marlowe or Sellers said, you know, that they called a timeout and kind of asked him what he wanted to run. You know, what did he want his last high school play to be? Did he want to just hand it off, run it? And he said he wanted to throw, I guess, throw the go route. And, and he did it, and they hit a big touchdown. <laughs> the Bruins go up 57-30 to 30, about a minute to go. And that's actually your final score there. South Florence 57, Northwestern 30. The Bruins are your 4A state champs, Darrell. Yeah, for sure. And then I keep saying this, but very deserving. I mean, yeah. South Florence undefeated the entire year. I mean, they played a couple of close games, uh, but the majority of the teams they played, they blew out. They played in arguably – both of these teams, though, they 
both teams played in arguably the toughest region in, in 4A. Mm-hmm. Uh, but South Florence just – they just seemed like a team of destiny. I saw them early in the year against South Point and just completely dominated that football game, and I knew they were really good. And then collectively we went down to, to see them, you know, just deman- dismantle their rival in, in West Florence. And at that point we knew they were extremely good. And uh, they just continued to build on that. They played a lot of complimentary football. You said it throughout the season. You know, that defense was was really good this year. Uh, but they had the best player, too. I mean, and, and that, yeah, that helps out, doesn't it? <laughs> they had the best player in South Carolina. And, and we've seen just about all the candidates for Mr. Football this year. But Lenore Sellers, I mean, just a special talent. I mean, he goes, what, dang near 200 and 200 on the ground and through the air. Um, in this football game, you know, the biggest one of his career, another redemption story kind of for him, you know, he got hurt last year, they were making a run, I think he broke his collarbone or had a, a situation where he had a seizing ending injury. And you kind of look at it like what could have been if this, you know, this could have been a back to back situation uh, for South Florence here, but uh, they cap it off in convincing fashion. Northwestern just continued to play great football this year. Uh, so excited for them to make it, you know, they, they, they suffered a heartbreaker last year in that 5A upper state title game. So for them to bounce back with these these stars, replace their quarterback with a young kid in, in Finley Polk, and he just continued – he balled out this whole season. Uh, but it just sounds like that was a great football game. Uh, but South Florence is, is probably, of all the teams, the most deserving state champion this year, in my opinion. Yeah, a couple notes I had. You know, Northwestern, they're going to be really good next year. You know, they lose Caldwell and Knox. But they've got Polk coming back, Trevor Richard coming back. They've got some really talented pieces. They're going to be a tough team uh, to beat and for you know that about it. And then uh, just, you know, this is the best crowd of the weekend. You know, yeah. we saw some debate earlier in the week about, or I guess earlier in the weekend about where the game should be held, you know, this and that, yada, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter to me. But this is the best crowd of the weekend. South Florence almost filled up their whole side on the home side. The same for Northwestern, if not full on their side. Had people standing around the ends. Just a great atmosphere. You know, both towns really supported their squads. You know, really loud, really, really great time there. Um, just just an awesome atmosphere for that 4A ball game. You mentioned that South Florence defense. I've been high on those guys all year. How about this, Jarrell? They will they allow zero points the second half. The yeah. only seven they gave up was in that kickoff return and actually scored two on a safety. Set so Bruins defense with, with you know with uh, 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 Quincy uh, Quincy Rhodes there and then Jalen Davis and all these guys played some really good football. That they were dominant in the second half. I mean, they obviously it helped when you got an offense score every time they touched the ball. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but they played really good to kind of steal that ball game there. And just a, an awesome ball game. You know, we can't say enough about what Lenore Sellers did. I mean, we'll get to his stats here in a minute. But he was so impressive. Just one of the all-time, probably one of the all-time best state title performances we've seen. I mean, that was super impressive. Uh, and we saw a lot of them this weekend, no doubt about it. But Lenore's was was really special to see, uh, a really fun to see. And, you know, congrats to that South Florence squad, first state title, I think, in school history. Um, you know, congrats to that 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 community for coming out supporting these guys, getting behind them, and just an, an awesome time. We got interviews with Lynn Norris and Coach Marlowe on our page as well. You're definitely going to check those out. Uh, a lot of good stuff there from, from those two guys. But uh, just an awesome ball game and the final there in the 4A state title. South Florence, 57, Northwestern, 30. The Bruins win uh, convincingly in the nightcap on Saturday, Jarrell. All right, Kevin, let's look at our playoff performers for the last time. Um, obviously, these are the state championship performers here. And we'll start off with the 3A game on Thursday. And that was Thomas Williams. Uh, the Power Drill running back went 20 carries for 236 yards and three touchdowns in their loss. 
Um, you know, Thomas is going to be moving on to Virginia Tech next year. We wish him well. Yeah, you know, he also played defense, made a ton of yeah. tackles on that side of the ball, too. He was all over the field. Uh, really good ball game there from Williams, just not quite enough at the end uh, to get the win. For sure. And the two-headed monster over there on the other side, you had Colton Ferris from Buford. He he ran 28 times for 198 yards and two touchdowns. He also, I think he played safety the entire game. I don't think that kid came off the field. I mean, he had one touchdown run where he, he got banged up and he just was an absolute warrior. So congratulations to him. I think he moves on to App State next year. Um, Casey Fields, man, just you know, if he wasn't outshined a little bit by that 4A game, but this might be the performance of the weekend. He had 37 carries for 219 yards, three touchdowns, also had a 93-yard kickoff return for touchdown. So that was four total, 312 total yards. Like, I was a warrior, Kevin. I was looking at the stands. I was like, he's a little bit shorter, but, you know, he got the number two on his jersey. I was like, man, it looks like Derrick Henry, like little baby Derrick Henry out there. This kid was an absolute stud. On big the kid with speed as well. He was very impressive. Uh, you know, I knew that he had had a big year. You know, didn't start playing around, but I think the fourth or fifth game, still had over 2,000 yards. He was super impressive. Uh, and I think, you know, more so because I didn't know – I mean, I knew who he was – didn't realize how good he was. Yeah, he was really, really impressive on Thursday night. Really, when he got inserted in that backfield, it really changed their season trajectory. And, uh, you know, he just really took off with it. I know Coach Librand in that interview, you know, was campaigning for this kid. And you know, I think he only has one offer. So these college coaches, you know, if they're listening here, go look at the film. And that's a, that's a football player. That kid is really special. But moving on, we had Jamal Marshall from Abbeville. He had 10 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns in their big win. Daquan Burroughs from Johnsonville, 27 carries for 168 yards and three touchdowns. Just an outstanding performance. Um, in the 1A game, you had Jackson Rep from Christchurch with six catches for 161 yards and a touchdown. Quarterback Woods Wyndham went 13 of 19 for 260 and three touchdowns. Quite the efficient way to, to send himself off with that championship. And Deshaun Reeder also from Christchurch, had 15 carries for 153 yards and three touchdowns. Absolute stud. I think he comes back next year for them. Um, going to the 5A game, you had Isaiah Jones at Dutch Fork. He had three catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. Aliam Appler, listen to this, Kevin, goes seven for seven, 179 yards, two touchdowns. Also totes it 10 times for 52 yards and two more touchdowns. Had a perfect 158.3 passer rating in that game. I mean, I'm so happy for that kid, you know, because he caught a lot of flack early in the year. Yeah. And obviously, he was kind of banged up there. But, but people were, you know, saying, oh, you know, he's not any good. He's not the uh, this and that, this and that. People said they were, he was kind of holding him back. He put up some really good numbers down the stretch here. You know, we saw him against Gaffney in the Upper State title game. Played a great ball game there. Played a great game again Saturday. You can't do any better than what he did Saturday uh, in, in that ball game against Fort D. So, congrats to Liam. Uh, great player. Great kid. Got to say hello to him after the ball game. Super, super nice guy to talk to there. So, Great game from, from Liam Appler in that 5A state title. Most definitely. And, you know, like you said, he's coming in, he's starting his senior year. Think about the amount of pressure that this kid was under, you know, taking over for that that team. They're coming off a state championship loss. They have those expectations. And, you know, he, he just progressively got better throughout the season. So, like you said, man, congratulations to a Liam. That's a hell of a performance there. Uh, but in his backfield, Jarvis Green, I mean, just Mr. Football Finalist, just such a good football player, wraps up his career with 23 carries for 241 yards, three touchdowns, 
three catches for 49 yards and another touchdown. So that's 301 total yards. Jarvis Green, just the real deal. I think he's committed to James Madison. We'll see if that sticks. Uh, just an absolute stud, Kevin. Uh, moving on to foray, Jaden Sellers, the receiver, had four catches for 122 yards and two touchdowns. Evan Singletary, the number one on that team, he had five for 126 and three touchdowns. Running back Shaquem Shiloh, very overshadowed, man. That kid is fantastic, a great running back, had 27 carries for 131 yards and two touchdowns. And Lenore Sellers, the quarterback, goes 10 for 14, 260 and five touchdowns through the year. Had 27 more carries for 192 and a touchdown, and also boomed a 62-yard punt. You know, because he just does everything. I mean, we've got Booby Miles out here, uh, but those are our playoff performers for the state championship weekend. Uh, these guys were were fantastic. There's many more, you know, who played their their tails off this week, but those are just a few guys we wanted to highlight. And that's what's great to see, Drew. Obviously, this is the biggest stage we've got in South Carolina here in the state title games, and it seemed like the stars really showed out. You know, you mentioned a lot of the big names. Folks know about Lenore Sellers. Folks know who Jarvis Green is. Like, these guys, when the lights were the brightest, they really showed up. And there were several other guys we could have mentioned. You know, you know Elijah Caldwell, Northwestern, uh, Rydenbach and Von Blue at Oceanside. I mean, guys who had big games besides these names we named. Uh, you know, all everybody showed up. It was a lot of fun to see that, Drew. I got to ask you, though, I saw this question polled. Who had the best weekend, Casey Fields, Jarvis Screen, or Lenore Sellers? Man, I got to go, you know, I'm partial. I got to say Lenore Sellers just because, you know, he, he did it through the air and on the ground, and he's got the microscope on him, man. You know, he's playing the nightcap on Saturday. Uh, you know, it's a situation where, you know, they feel like every time they touch the football, they're going to they're gonna score. So that, that that's the trigger, man. I, I think he's the best player in the state. Uh, but that's no knock, man. We saw Casey Fields, you know, on Thursday, and he just – he literally put the team on his back. Got a little help from from his buddy Colton Ferris there. You know, he, he played a heck of a ball game. Uh, but Casey Fields was a stud. And then, obviously, Jarvis, he just gets overshadowed because he just does it so frequently. He's been doing it for so long. He's been yeah. playing for so long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's a tough one. But I'll, I'll go with Norris. I'll, I'll make the choice there. That, that's a good pick. I mean, he had a great weekend. But there's, you know, so much talent in our state. I mean, you know, I was taking a list of, of different coaches. I saw they recruiting. I saw Carson Newman in Georgia Southern and North Greenville, Newberry, West Virginia, Western Carolina. South Carolina had guys there, Virginia Tech, Syracuse for Sellers, of course, there, South Carolina State. I mean, tons of different colleges. And there could have been – there should have been 15, 20 more. I mean, we've got yeah. so much talent in this state. And it was certainly on display this weekend, Drell. But um, appreciate all everybody who's sending us those stats. And, you know, make sure you keep doing that for next year. If you know who is in charge of the stat list at your school, ask them if we can be on it. You know, I'll send you our email address. We'd love to get included on that so you kind of see those stats as they roll out next year as well, But Drell. But a great list of playoff performers. Let's give one more quick shout-out to our friends and sponsor the show here before we wrap up for the season. Get your head in the game with Founders Federal Credit Union. See how Founders membership could elevate your financial game. Train your financial skills with our wide array of financial tools and services. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com today to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders Federal Credit Union. Carolina Orthopedic and Neurosurgical Associates is our Game of the Week sponsor. Kona offers the most advanced training and experience in orthopedic surgery, neurosurgery, sports medicine, and pain management in the upstate. Kona offers a synergistic approach for the spine, skeletal system, nervous system, and supporting structures, meaning total quality care for your optimal health. Three convenient locations in Spartanburg, Duncan, and Greenville. Go to Kona.care to learn more about Kona services. That's C-O-N-A dot care. I had a great weekend down in Columbia, weekend of champions drill at Benedict there. Um, got to see a lot of folks that, you know, maybe I had, 
seen online but didn't put a face with the name but now I was able to you know our guy Cam our guy Kurt down there uh, a lot of great folks from Dutch Fork and Abbeville and, and Oceanside saying hello to us uh, South Florence and AD Slaughter there uh, love talking to him he's been great to us you know got to see a lot of coaches we know with Coach Marlowe and and guys like that uh, you know Coach Muster before the game um, Andrew Walsh over there at Powdersville Coach Nimmer um, just, just a great atmosphere man it was fun to see some guys that like I said, that we hadn't seen before in person or hadn't seen in a while, but it, it was a great, great time down there in Columbia this weekend. For sure, yeah. I hate that I missed out on the weekend, but uh, just it was even fun on Thursday. Uh, but more importantly, just this season in general, man, it's just been so much fun, you know, to watch, you know, the people who support our show, uh, the people who are thankful for, you know, us putting on this show because, like, we don't even need that. We get satisfaction in covering these these schools and these programs and these players and these coaches. It's just so much fun to do. The interaction with the fans this year has, has definitely ramped up a notch. You know, it's so much fun. I, I made the comment to Coach Librarian after they win the, the championship game. You know, he comes up to us and he's like, thanks for picking against us. And I was <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, Coach, you know, that's week zero. And then here we are to the state championship game. So we, we love the fact that these guys are tuning in and watching our programs uh, because we put a lot of work into it. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where it, it's work that we enjoy. So, like, it's it's a lot of fun being able to highlight the state of South Carolina and our wonderful football that we have here uh, and these kids and just, you know, just give their all, you know, to play here and the passionate fans, man, that's the coolest thing to see. Like you said, like the nightcap, you know, it's just completely full at a college stadium to watch, you know, two, four, a teams, you know, and those are easy trips. I mean, you know, South Florence is a little bit closer, uh, but the, you know, just to make that commitment, you know, to, to go watch these guys, um, and just see some really good football. It's, it's just been so much fun this year. I, I know I'm rambling at this point, uh, but it's been so much fun to, to keep up with and, and and follow these programs and cover these things. It, just very fortunate and blessed to to forge these relationships. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm already chomping at the bit to to get ready in preparation for 23. A couple more names I forgot. Uh, I got uh, Elena from Elena Media. Great to see her from Powdersville there. Uh, you know, Scrocky Sports is a great job. Steven's great there. Next Gen Highlights was down there. Um, you know, uh, uh, Thomas was down there from SC Sports Hub. Great to see him. Coach Hatfield and Coach Ramey from Christchurch. We saw Coach Jamel Smith and Lucy Beckham. Great to talk to him. One of our favorite interviews of the season we did before the season started out. It was great to talk to him, man, and great to catch up with him. But a lot of great folks down there, a lot of great connections, and, and a lot of good folks to to get to talk to. Man, I had, had a great time and can't wait for it again. You know, you know personally, I would probably like to see him played over at Williams-Brice or maybe at, at Death yeah. Valley in Clemson. But – you know, Benedict's doing a great job there. I mean, I, I'll keep going, Drill. They can put it on the on the moon for all I care. I'll yeah. find a way to be there. It's been uh, it's been a blast the last couple of years going in to cover that. So looking forward to to next year already. Hopefully, we have the whole crew down there and have a have a really good time. But um, if this is you guys' first time. We hope it's not. But if it is, feel free to subscribe, like five star podcast here on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Do that. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Moving Chains, Movie N C H A I N S. We've got all our interviews from this weekend on those platforms. Um, a lot of great posts and graphics and whatnot come out on that stuff. Drill and I have some really good coach interviews lined up for the next few weeks. And then as soon as the the, the year turns and we get the we get the new coaches hired, we'll have some of that stuff coming out for you guys too. Got a couple uh, other cool ideas we're working on. So we're not going to go quiet for the whole offseason. Trust us, we'll still be around. You know, we know that you guys love high school football and hopefully y'all keep supporting us. Um, definitely check us out on those platforms as well as our – Brand new website, movingchains.com. Love if you guys really get on there and 
interact with our message board. We'd love to get that that website pumped up. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun to have you guys interacting and commenting on there, Jarrell. Anything I'm missing, man? Because I know we've got a lot planned. They don't don't want to give away too much right now. We've got a lot planned for sure. Um, a lot of good stuff already out there uh, for you guys to go check out. And I hope y'all would do so and keep supporting us. Like I said, here in the off season. No, no, you did not miss anything. As always, you're on top of it. Uh, we just, again, we're just very appreciative for the support and uh, everybody listening and, and watching and, uh, you know, giving us feedback and that stuff. I, I want to give a shout out again, you know, to just, we were able, I don't even know, I got to look at our road trip map, like all the places we get went to, you know, like the special thing, I, I'm going through my notebook right now, you know, just, just meeting those people like Miss Mary at Abbeville, like I'm yeah. really proud for her, you know, that, that state championship that, that she gets to celebrate there. Uh, just so thankful for like the ADs and coaches and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Just excited about the coaching carousel. I know we got a like position filled up today, you know, <laughs> like it, it's going to be fun. So definitely hit us up with, uh, you know, maybe some coaches interviews that you want us to do. We're always open to suggestions and, and we'll definitely just continue to roll out content and I know it'll be August before we know it, and we'll be agonizing where to go on that first weekend in week zero. One more I forgot, Ryan Franklin. Got to watch a game with him Thursday and Friday, the 3-2-A game. Great to see him and his son down there. A lot of fun to hang out hang out with those guys, Drell. But uh, like I said, as we cap another year, I mean, it's just cool to see how far this has grown. You know, from me and John sitting on his <laughs> couch at, at 1130 on a Friday night doing – Facebook lives on an iPad to, you know, us doing uh, legitimate interviews and, and, <laughs> and really cool stuff with a little bit, not a whole lot better equip equipment, but a little bit better equipment than what we used to have. Uh, yeah. It's really cool to see the viewers jump up and, you know, see views, see videos we've got now have 60,000, 10,000, 2,000, whatever. Like it's cool to see that stuff taking off, man. Our followers continue to grow and we appreciate you guys for that. It's been a lot of fun. And it's, you know, it's really uh, rewarding and really, really fulfilling to see you guys come up and say hello to us at the games. I mean, we talked to guys that we never even thought knew we were this yeah. weekend. Like, oh, thanks for what y'all do. I mean, it's just super cool to see uh, that you guys report us like that. But any final words, Drell, before I, before I stop rambling and just get us out of here? No, 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 no. You said it perfectly. And, again, like we, we we're very appreciative. I don't know if we can reiterate that enough. Yeah. We count every <laughs> single one, like every single follower, every single fan, every single comment. Uh, we're appreciative, appreciative of every single one. Um, it means a lot to us, you know, just some guys who, who love sports, who love the state of South Carolina and, you know, want to just, you know, big up these players and these programs and coaches. And, you know, if we can do anything to help, uh, we're definitely here to do so. You know, maybe, you know, our little podcast or our shows, you know, gets a coach listening to a player or something like that. And, you know, maybe get a scholarship offer that that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's definitely not self-serving work. We, we like, you know, just to amplify the talent that's on display here, you know, on those sidelines. Well, for Drell Hendricks, I'm Kevin Thomas. This has been our state championship recap show here on Moving the Chains, and we will catch you guys soon.